Section 54 of Slave Narratives, A Folk History of Slavery in the United States, from Interviews with Former Slaves, Volume 11, North Carolina Narratives, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tanzania Weir. Slave Narratives, A Folk History of Slavery in the United States from Interviews with Former Slaves, Volume 11, North Carolina Narratives, Part 1, by Various, Section 54, Tempe Herndon Durham, Ex-Slave, 103 Years Old, 1312 Pine Street, Durham, North Carolina. I was 31 years old. When does surrender come? That makes me show enough old. Near about a hundred and three years them passed over this here white head of mine. I's been here. I mean, I's been here. Specs I's the oldest nigger in Durham. I's been here so long that I done forgot near about as much as these here new generation niggers knows or ever gwan know. My white folks lived in Chatham County. They was Marcy George and Miss Betsy Herndon. Miss Betsy was a snice before she married Marcy George. They had a big plantation and raised corn, wheat, cotton, and backer. I don't know how many field niggas Marcy George had, but he had a mess of them, and he had hostess too, and cows, hogs, and sheeps. He raised sheeps and sold the wool, and they used the wool at the big house too. There was a big weaving room where the blankets was wove, and they wove the cloth for the winter clothes too. Linda Herton and Milla Edwards was the head weavers. They looked after the weaving of the fancy blankets. Miss Betsy was a good weaver, too. She weaved the same as the niggers. She say she loved the clacking sound of the loom and the way the shuttles run in and out, carrying a long tail of bright-colored thread. Some days, she sat at the loom all the morning, peddling with her feet and her white hands fitting over the bobbins. The carding and spinning room was full of niggers. I could hear them spinning wheels now turning round and saying, hum, hum, and hear the slaves singing while they spin. Mammy Rachel stayed in the dying room. There wasn't nothing she didn't know about dying. She knew every kind of root, bark, leaf, and berry that made red, blue, green, or whatever color she wanted. They had a big shelter where the dye pots set over the coals. Mammy Rachel would fill the pots with water, then she put in the roots, bark and stuff, and boil the juice out. Then she strained it and put in the salt and vinegar to set the color. After the wool and cotton done been carded and spun to thread, Mammy take the hanks 
and drop them in the pot of bowl and die. She stirred them round and lift them up and down with a stick. And when she hanged them up on the line in the sun, they was every color of the rainbow. When they dripped dried, they were sent to the weaving room where they was woven blankets and things. When I growed up, I married Exter Durham. He belonged to Marcia Snipes Durham, who had the plantation cross the county line in Orange County. We had a big wedding. We was married on the front porch of the big house. Marcia George killed a shoat, and Miss Betsy had Georgiana, the cook, to bake a big wedding cake, all iced up white as snow with a bride and groom standing in the middle, holding hands. The table was set out in the yard under the trees. And you ain't never see the like of eats. All the niggas come to the feast, and Master George had a dram for everybody. That was some wedding. I had on a white dress, white shoes, and long white gloves that come to my elbow. And Miss Bessie done made me a wedding veil out of a white net window curtain. When she played the wedding march on the piano, me and Exton marched down the walk and up on the porch to the altar Miss Bessie done fixed. That the prettiest altar I ever seed. Back against the rose vine, that was full or red roses. Miss Bessie done put tables filled with flowers and white candles. She done spread down a bed sheet, a show enough linen sheet for us to stand on, and they was a white pillow to kneel down on. Exter done made me a wedding ring. He made it out of a big red button with his pocket knife. He done cut it so round and polished it so smooth that it looked like a red satin ribbon tied round my finger. That show was a pretty ring. I wore it about 50 years. Then it got so thin that I lost it one day in the wash tub when I was washing clothes. Uncle Edmund Kirby married us. He was the nigger preacher that preached at the plantation church. After Uncle Edmund said the last words over me and Exter, Master George got to have his little fun. He say, come on, Exter, you and Tempe got to jump over the broomstick backwards. You got to do that to see which one gonna be boss of your household. Everybody come stand round to watch. Master George hold the broom about a foot high off the floor. The one that jump over it backwards and never touch the handle, go on boss the house. And if both of them jump over without touching it, they won't go on be no bouncing. They just go on be genial. I jump first, and you ought to seed me. I sail right over that broomstick, same as a cricket. But when extra jump, he done had a big dram. His feet was so big and clumsy that they got all tangled up in that broom 
and he fell headlong. Master George, he laughed and laughed and told Exeter he gonna be boss. Twelve, he scared to speak less than I told him to speak. After the wedding, we went down to the cabin Miss Bessie done all dressed up. But Exeter couldn't stay no longer than that night, case he belonged to Marcy Snipes Durham, and he had to back home. He left the next day for his plantation, but he come back every Saturday night and stayed till Sunday night. We had eleven chillin'. Nine was bound before surrender, and two after we was set free. So I had two chillin' that wasn't bound in bondage. I was worth a heap to Massa George, case I had so many chillin'. The more chillin' a slave had, the more they was worth. Lucy Carter was the only nigger on the plantation that had more chillin' than I had. She had twelve, but her chillin' was sickly, and mine was muley strong and healthy. They never was sick. When the war come, Master George was too old to go, but young Master Bill went. He went and took my brother Sim with him. Master Bill took Sim along to look after his house and everything. They didn't neither one get shot, but Miss Bessie was scared near about to death all the time Scared they was gone be brung home shot all to pieces, like some of the soldiers was. The Yankees wasn't so bad. The most they wanted was something to eat. They was all the time hungry. The first thing they asked for when they came was something to put in their stomach. And chicken. I ain't never seen even a preacher eat chicken like them Yankees. I believes to my soul. They ain't never see no chicken till they come down here. And hot biscuit, too. I see the parcel of them eat up a whole sack of flour one night for supper. Georgiana sift flour till she looked white and dusty as a miller. Them soldiers didn't turn down no ham, neither. That the only thing they took from Master George. They went in the smokehouse and towed it off the hams and shoulders. Marsha George say he come off mighty light if that's all they want. Besides, he got plenty of shots anyhow. We had all the eats we wanted while the war was shooting them guns. Case Marsha George was home and he kept the niggas working. We had chickens, gooses, meat, peas, flour, meal, potatoes and things like that all the time. And milk and butter too but we didn't have no sugar and coffee. We used ground parched corn for coffee and cane lasses for sweetening. That wasn't so bad with a heap of thick cream. Anyhow, we had enough to eat, to vibe with the neighbors that didn't have none when surrender come. I was glad when the war stopped case then me and Exeter could be together all the time instead of Saturday and Sunday. After we was free, we lived right on at Marsha George's plantation a long time. We rented the land for a fourth of what we made. Then, after a while, we bought a farm. We paid $300 we done saved. We had a house, a steer, 
a cow and two pigs, size some chickens, and four geese. Miss Bessie went up in the attic and give us a bed and bed tick. She give us enough goose feathers to make two pillows. Then she give us a table and some chairs. She give us some dishes, too. Master George give Exeter a bushel of seed corn and some seed wheat. Then he told him to go down to the barn and get a bag of cotton seed. We got all this, and we hitched up the wagon and throwed in the parcel of chillin' and moved to our new farm, and the chillin' was put to work in the field. They growed up in the field case they was put to work time they could walk good. Freedom is all right, but the niggers was better off before surrender, case then they was looked after and they didn't get in no trouble fighting and killing like they do these days. If a nigger cut up and got sassy in slavery times, his old massa give him a good whipping and he went way back and sat down and halved himself. If he was sick, massa and mistress looked after him, and if he needed store medicine, it was bought and give to him. He didn't have to pay nothing. They didn't even have to think about clothes nor nothing like that. They was wove and made and give to them. Maybe everybody's Martha and Mrs. wasn't good as Martha George and Miss Bessie, but they was the same as a mammy and a pappy to us niggas. End of section 54. Read by Tanzania Ware, San Diego, July 10th, 2022.